Our guest today is a brilliant musician, songwriter, composer, producer, and the mastermind behind one of the most inventive <laughs> and creative prog bands of the last 20 years, uh, Arian. I'd like to welcome Arian Lucasen. Uh, great to be here, and of course, thanks for the compliments there. <laughs> well, we got to build up the guest. You know how it goes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, not that that needs needs doing. Now I so. got to live up to that. Oh my God, you're making me nervous now. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so we'll jump right in. This must be an exciting time getting back to the the Arian stuff, which you know you took a break from. What made you feel that the time was right to do it again? Well, I could never do two Arians in a row. You know, an Arion takes a lot out of me emotionally and creatively. After an Arion, I'm like completely wasted. You know, I'm completely empty and I'm always afraid that the well is dry. But um, I always need to do like a couple of small projects in between Arions. So after this, I did uh, a project called Guild Machine, which was an atmospheric project with just one singer. Then I did Star One, which is easy for me, you know, just plug in the guitar, out come the riffs, ready other songs. <laughs> right. And uh, and after that, I did a solo album, and I really, really enjoyed doing that because it was there were there were no expectations of the fans at all you know i could simply do whatever i want and throw in all my influences from my formative years you know like floyd and and beatles and zeppelin and it was just great fun and i i think doing that album really recharged my battery and i was uh, i was totally ready for a new area very cool i mean we'll get to the content on it which is just incredible back i guess the last album was in 2008 and that uh, was written about and discussed that that was the sort of the end to the whole journey of, of Arion to that point, right? Right, um, yes, yeah. Well, did you know going into that album that, okay, this is going to be the last one, I have, I have the idea of how this story is going to end, or kind of after the fact you realized, okay, I'm going to just take a break now? Uh, I'm not entirely sure about that. It's, I mean, it's been five years, and I'm 53 by now, so that's... <laughs> <laughs> my memory isn't what it was uh did i know i think i knew yeah i think i knew that the story was was getting just too complicated you know it, it was a story that spanned over seven albums and um it started on the first album fine experiment and then each album it got more complex and um yeah i think i really wanted to finish that story on the last Arian album, Zero One. Um, and, and already at that point, I said, like, if I do another Arian, you know, which I will, I have to do a lot of th new things. Right. I have to, uh, I, I want to do a new story. I want uh, probably no sci-fi, uh, sci work with new singers that I've never worked with before, uh, try out a new, different uh, way of, of working in the studio. So, uh, and, and it all panned out, so that's great. The new album called Theory of Everything, which comes out uh, next week, the 28th, and I guess maybe the 29th in the States. Tell the audience, you know, what's the story behind this record? Well, I was inspired by a TV documentary I saw about Stephen Hawking, I think it was. You know, I, I love those science documentaries. Okay, that makes sense to me now. <laughs> right yes, now. yeah, okay. yeah. And I, he was, they were talking about the theory of everything, which is basically the theory that tries to unify the laws of the very small, which is quantum mechanics, uh, with the laws of the very large, which is gravity, general relativity. Uh, these two laws don't go together. It's just, it should not be possible. And they're trying to unify them, which is called the theory of everything. And, you know, that title 
really grabbed me and it was like oh my god this sounds so huge and so bombastic and pretentious <laughs> in short it sounds like an Arion title <laughs> <laughs> so so that was the start it was the title okay let's do something with that and and then I came up with the idea that um, a prodigy a true genius finds this theory um, yeah I don't know if you if you want to know the whole story no, but, no please but basically, yeah very interesting uh, Okay, well, it's it's uh, it's about a scientist um, who who tries to find the theory of everything. He's very close to discovering it, um, and in the process, he totally neglects his uh, his wife and his son. Um, but his son, uh, is, uh, his autistic son, turns out to be a, a real genius who could help him solve this uh, theory of everything. But the only way uh, the son could help him is uh, for the father to give the son. Um, a drug which has dangerous side effects. So basically, that's that's the premise of the story. That must take a while to flesh out. Do you spend a long time putting the story together? Not necessarily the lyrics, but the story, how the whole thing is going to go from beginning to end before you start writing the, the music and the album? Uh, no, I actually start with the music. Always, I start with the because I still think the music is the most important. If I would start with the lyrics, I would have to write music that fit the lyrics, and okay. I, I feel limited. So I start with the music, um, and then after I've got like half an hour or, or, or an hour of music, I listen to it and I let the music inspire me to come up with a story. It's like what kind of images do I see when I hear this music? Yeah. Um, then yes, then I, I I spend a long time thinking about the story and. Because the story was completely different in the beginning, it was still very sci-fi. Like, like the sun was a clone of Einstein, you know, or he turned out to be an alien. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> thought, All right. So it was uh, it was really different? Like you really start with the was, music, and then it you ended yeah. up with a whole different story after. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because really, I, I didn't want to do the sci-fi thing, and I wanted to stay away from it. And it was hard, you know, because I'm such a sci-fi freak. Um, so yeah, then I was thinking about the story a long time, and then finally, when I had the story and the music, then I start looking for the singers, and it has to be singers that that fit the story and that fit the music. And once I have the singers, then. At the very end, I start writing the lyrics, um, and the lyrics are also um, based on the singers often. You know, I, I, the lyrics have to fit with the singer and, and the characters. Once you're working on the record, you then decide, okay, I know I'm going to need this many people to pull this off. I'm going to need seven singers, I have these seven parts, and then I, I need this many guitarists, keyboardists. Is that the planning going into the recording? Uh, basically, I never plan. <laughs> really, I, I just do whatever comes up, and and it always works out in the end somehow. I don't know how, but uh, and even if I do plan, I keep changing my mind all the time. Um, what I did plan was that uh, I wanted less singers than the last Arion album because the last Arion album zero one had seventeen singers, right. and that was just too much you know because i couldn't really um explore the ca their, their ca the characters um i couldn't really show off the talents of the singers you know there was just not enough space um all, i just wanted this album to breathe more to, to have more space to be more transparent uh, so less singers more instrumental parts right so yeah it, it could have been uh, five six seven eight it could be any any of that number okay. but once I started writing the lyrics, then I got the characters, 
uh, and then you know it, it yeah it turned out to be seven singers but it could have been different so then do you have a uh, very long extensive address book on your computer for all these musicians that you call on and this is some list of pretty incredible musicians you have Keith Emerson Steve Hackett Rick Wakeman Jordan mm-hmm. Rudis John Wetton just the musicians that not that those aren't all the the seven singers we discussed so do mm-hmm. you uh, you have these numbers handy or do you meet them at a show and say hey do you want to play on my next record how does that work out uh, it, it's different in every case uh, basically I don't have any numbers I just have the numbers of the people I worked with in the past uh-huh. but of course this time I wanted to work with all new people so I really have to I, I gotta have a way to get to them sure. and it can be many different things it can be a journalist it can be a management it can be a record company um, it can simply be Facebook, you know. Simple. If they know my music, know my music, it's easy. Like for instance, uh, Tommy Karavik, who plays the the main part uh, of of uh, Camelot. Um, it was just a simple message to his Facebook page saying, "Hey man, uh, I'm I'm Arian. Uh, maybe you heard of me. Uh, you want to sing on my album?" And like an hour later, it was like, "Hey man, great! I know your stuff. I even have it, and I, I would love to do it." So that's that's an easy one. Um, some are really hard, of course. To get to to Rick Wakeman or Keith Emerson is 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 harder, you know. Right. Um, I, I I need a way in, and with John Wetton, for instance, his manager. Uh, turned out to be a huge fan of my solo album. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> it's a guy who never heard of Arion, but oh yeah, I love your solo album because <laughs> he was he was actually doing something similar, like a whole story with a narrator, and he saw an ad of my solo album in in a magazine, and he bought it. So that was easy. He was a fan of my music, so right. he could easily arrange John for me. And um, yeah, the good thing is Arion is, is selling more and more over the uh, over the world. Uh, the last album charted in 17 countries and uh, that helps, you know, that helps getting people. I mean, people sure. take me serious um, uh, despite the fact that they may might Google me on YouTube and see me run around in silver clothes. <laughs> Maybe they won't, <laughs> won't take me so serious anymore. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 hard to get people outside the prog in the metal. I have, have not been able to do that. Like like for instance, for this album, I wanted like Jeff Lynne of Elo or something, and then wow, that oh, would uh, be a great one for sure. Yeah, and I keep trying, I keep trying people like this or Kate Bush or David Bowie or whatever. But really, outside the prog and metal, you know, I I think these are unfortunately still dirty words for for a lot of people. <laughs> so yeah, and I've never been able to to get. Um, one get day, them, one but day. I keep trying. I yeah, keep trying. Absolutely. The album is basically four parts that are each yeah. about twenty minutes, correct? So, uh, but then you split them all into real, very short tracks, about forty-two. What was the what was the reasoning behind that? Uh, well, I had a completely different way of working this time in the studio. Usually, I first gather all my ideas, like 50 ideas, and then I choose the best ones. Then I go in the studio, put them in the right order, work on them. This time, I didn't feel like doing that. I just wanted to go in the studio and start working. So I went into the studio with just one idea, which was the little Hammond melody in the first track. Um, and I knew from the beginning it was going to be an Arion, so I just 
started recording it and that part led to another part which led to another part which led to another part and before i knew it it was like oh my god this i got like a 23 minute song here (laughs) (laughs) and i was like okay you know every prog album needs an epic so i wrote the epic now i'm gonna write the shorter songs uh so i i did the same with the second song i just started and again that grew into a 20 plus minute song you know and then i had like two then i had three long songs and i called the record company said listen guys uh, what do you think of this you know uh, is this echoes of tales of topographic oceans of yes you know that i think wasn't a big success back then with four long tracks and they said no no go for it go for it go for the four tracks so i wrote four long 20 minute tracks and then i played them to my circle of trust which is which is like my my brother and my ex-wife and and, and anyone you know right. and a, a lot of them said um it's 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 quite a mountain to climb you know if if you have these four long tracks in front of you it's like oh my god you know it's it's whoa <laughs> they were saying maybe you should subdivide them into into shorter songs because nothing will change in the music you know right. it's, it's just it's just um, yeah it's just easier maybe to skip to a part that you like so then i started subdividing them and i came to 39 or something <laughs> and at some point i thought about the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy you know which where like uh, the the answer to the question to to life the universe and everything is 42 <laughs> right i thought it's it's like too cool uh, to have 42 tracks so it's <laughs> and then a I just places to put a, a space, right, a space I yeah. just I just got the fuckers up and <laughs> I got 42 <laughs> it, I, I couldn't I couldn't withstand doing that yeah that's funny but it does encourage a, a little bit the the listener to listen to the to the whole thing because it's hard to uh jump in and say I'm all right I'm gonna listen to you know just song 32 let's say no right? no so, not, not possible not possible right no. you're you're you don't know where you are in the story if you're, no, you're trying to listen no. like that do you want your listeners to really approach the albums from a sort of a movie aspect you have you watch the whole thing like with the movie so here's the whole album this is a, this is a story you should enjoy from beginning to end. oh yeah that's the only way that's yeah. the only way, you know. It's ever since I heard Jesus Christ Superstar back in the, in the seventies, and War of the Worlds, and and uh, Tommy, and The Wall, and all these, uh, really, you know, it, it's an adventure. It's it's yeah, you have to put it on and get the lyrics in, in front of you and and become part of the story. You right. know, I, I I don't think you need to necessarily listen to the whole thing in one go. I think that might be. <laughs> it might be a bit exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even done it myself yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but like a movie, you know, you have a break here and there, or you watch it in two goes or in four goes or whatever. But yeah, it's not something you you listen to like. Uh, it's not something you put on your iPod and you put it on shuffle because then it's like completely lost. Right. No, you couldn't. Uh, you couldn't figure out where you are. Or what what part no. that is. No, it's true. Uh, was you were talking about the the musical theme that started the recording i don't know if this maybe was the one you're referring to but the the one that is th- repeated through the uh three of everything tracks right the, the part one right. two uh, is that the one or was that one of the early ones where you said okay this is really that's a really strong musical passage that that part uh did you decide okay i'm gonna this is going to be focused on throughout the record yeah it's the ding, 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 ding. yeah it's 
that that Hammond part. Okay. Uh, and I think it returns like like three or four times right. on the album. But there's recurring patterns everywhere. Yeah. Uh, they they just recur in a way that you really won't notice it after one listen. After one listen, you will think like, "Whoa, this is like 42 different parts." But I think after repeated listens, you'll find out like, "Oh, there's a lot of vocal melodies that are the same, but just the chords are maybe different, or or the mood is different, or it's faster, or it's slower." But there are a lot of recurring themes. Um, uh, lyrics even and it's just not there are no recurring themes within the parts so there's not verse chorus verse chorus it's there are no choruses at all right. <laughs> you know it's 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 because basically I, I I wanted to tell a story so I I tried uh, also tried not to use so many rhymes you know because when you talk to someone you know you you don't talk in rhymes Right. <laughs> and, uh, I, yeah, and I wanted the words to be like really easy. Uh, I, I didn't want to use expensive <laughs> right, sure. words. I wanted people to uh, to be able to follow this story, like it's easy to follow and to get into. And then you know I'll completely spoil it at the end and make it incredibly cryptic, so no one understands the ending. You know, <laughs> right, right. that's basically that's what I like. So you get into the story, and in the end, you're left with all these questions. Very cool. Uh, were you were you a big fan of of concept albums like Tommy and The Wall and uh, those types of things? That do those have an influence on your writing? Oh yes, yeah. Like I said, the first one was Jesus Christ Superstar with with Ian Gillen. Uh, um, yeah, it was. Yeah, as a kid, it was really. I put it on and I, I was whole part of the whole story. And yeah, all those albums you mentioned, uh, all the rock operas, but also all the concept albums, you know, The Thick as a Bricks and The Journey to the Center of the Earth. And right. um, yeah, I, I think like the story adds an extra dimension to the music. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a real prog staple is the, the storytelling, the repeating themes throughout throughout the music, the, right. the yeah. long instrumental parts so that follows in line. It, it has a big influence on a lot of these albums, I think, that are out, right. that are out now. Yeah, and basically, I never did that before. Funnily enough, I, I, I never had these recurring themes that recur later on in the album, so that was a, a first for me to do it. So, going way back, what was your first uh, instrument, and and how did you grow from there in in picking up the other ones? Uh, actually, I I uh, when I got interested in music, it was the whole glam rock period, mm -hmm. like Alice Cooper, David Bowie, the Sweet T Rex, all these bands. Yeah, great stuff. And and I loved it, you know. I, I was I wanted to be Mark Bolan or I wanted to be Alice Cooper. So, so what did I do? I started to play back band. <laughs> it was it uh, just in class, you know. And then we started playing at our old school, and then we started at other schools, and it got really successful. So uh, it was don't laugh, but it was called the Flying Potatoes. <laughs> don't ask me why. <laughs> and we played uh, like Slate songs and Alice Cooper and Bowie and. Uh, and we we played a lot, you know, and and um, but of course it was all playback, you know. We were all just mimicking, and there was. Sure. I don't think I even had strings on my guitar. I think I was the singer, you know, with the wig of my mother and <laughs> and her jewelry and stuff. Um, but then one of the kids from the older classes came to us and like, ah, that's for sissies, you know, the whole glam glam rock shit. Listen to this, and then I got 
um, Made in Japan from Deep Purple and I heard Richie Blackmore play and it was like uh, oops <laughs> you yeah, know? I, I, I really want to be able to do that so that's I was uh, 14 I think at the time yeah. um, and um, I think that's when I decided uh, to uh, play guitar for real I just never wanted to take lessons I hate lessons you know that uh, so so I just yeah got a guitar I think I started with an acoustic guitar and just taught myself and uh, mm-hmm. so yeah it all started on the, on the guitar but um, and I, I and the moment I had the guitar uh, I, I started composing you know that's always been my passion right. more than like practicing or, or or trying to be a brilliant guitar player or something that's was so, never really a thing and the Prague influence on you came from from where. Uh, it must have been Pink Floyd. Um, even the old Pink Floyd with, with Sid Barrett, uh, the, the first couple that, of albums. Well, that was the real experimental stuff. Uh, yeah, Piper at the Gates of Dawn and, yeah. and Source Full of Secrets, that, that period. That's, I think, uh, yeah, I know Floyd themselves don't call themselves prog, but uh, I <laughs> guess that's, that's where it, it started for me. Yeah, right. definitely Pink Floyd. And I think uh, albums like... like um, Abbey Road um, are you know like side two are are precursors of prog as well. So yeah, the Beatles definitely. Absolutely, uh, that I hold that album up as high as any album for me. Even, yes, even with uh, loving bands like Genesis and Yes and Rush, but Abbey Road is r- definitely at the top for me. Absolutely, yeah, for me too. Yeah. So are you being a perfectionist? Done with uh, an album like this. Uh, do you do you sit back and and are you able to just let it go at that point and say okay I've, I've done the best I can do this is it's done or do you hear this one little note that drives you crazy and you have to go back and fix it it's a, it's a whole process um, uh, when I'm working on the album especially towards the ending um, I'm like oh my god this is so good you know and oh I'm a genius and oh, <laughs> people are gonna love me really I'm so sure of it and it's and at some point i'm like okay now it's it's perfect uh you know after working on it for one and a half years day and night seven days a week because i don't do anything else i don't play live i don't have a job so that's all i do um at some point i'm like really like okay this is brilliant and then i send it off to the record company and then comes those horrible three months where you have to wait you know, they have to press a CD, they have to st- send the stuff to the journalists, right. and you're just waiting, you know, and you, you hear reactions from people like, oh, it's yeah, it's a lot of information, and you know, <laughs> the, and then the insecurity starts, and it gets worse, and it gets worse, and at some point, I'm like, oh my God, how could I ever send this to out to the people, and it's terrible, oh, and it's not as strong as my other albums, because then I start listening to my other stuff, and so yeah. Right now, I'm in the insecurity phase. Well, and and I, I'm even afraid to listen to it. <laughs> I, I, I got it a couple of days ago, and I haven't been able to to listen to it. I uh, I think I can speak for all your fans that it's pretty darn good. I don't think you have anything oh, to worry about here. <laughs> thanks. Uh, any plans for more Arion albums uh, in the future to continue your return to it? Oh yeah, definitely. It, it's my favorite project. Uh, I call it my mothership, you know, because right. it has all my favorite styles in it, like like prog and, and and metal and folk and classical music and electronic music. Um, so I will always return to Arion at some point. Uh, just like I earlier said earlier, um, 
I had to do some projects in between that are simpler, uh, logistically speaking, you know, yeah. less less musicians, maybe just one singer. Um, and then eventually I'll go back to Arion and um, the ending of this album is, is pretty open. So, um, so that could be a nice sequel. I already have a few things in mind. Great. So, Very cool. but yeah, like I said, I never plan ahead because I changed my mind anyway. <laughs> right. What other projects are you working on? I'm really empty right now and there's nothing new. And of course, I'm really busy uh, doing promotion now and um, we're selling the album in our in our own shop. So these month, weeks, I'm, I'm like <laughs> working my ass up p- uh, packing all the all the CDs and stuff like that. So it's it's right. a madhouse right here. We got a lot of fans w- helping here. It's like s- seven people downstairs now. Um, so yeah, it's a really busy time now. So I, I I haven't thought about the next project at all. I think I'll just wait for inspiration and then the little ideas come and then I'll go into the studio and I'll start working and then somehow it will uh, lead me into the next project, uh, whatever it will be. All right. Well, listen, I'm, I'm really happy we got to speak. I know you're busy, busy, you know, promoting the record and making sure it's a success. I know it's going to be great. And um, hopefully we can we can talk again soon. Definitely. The next project, whatever it will be. <laughs> great. All right. Thank you, Arian. Uh, pleasure. OK, Roy. Bye, man. We're going to close with a track from the new Arian CD. The song is The Theory of Everything, part one. Please check the progreport.com for more news and upcoming interviews. Thanks.